I am Mike Tom with Colleen Hood, and welcome to Connections. A man in Saskatchewan is gathering quite the collection of old Bibles and hymn books, but he's not a collector and he's not planning to use them. No, instead he's getting ready to bury them. We'll hear how this all started and why Tim Martins is hoping to save Bibles from the landfill. Tim Martins joins us from Duck Lake, Saskatchewan today. You have quite the interesting story. You're taking old Bibles and, and old hymnals and you you don't feel right just having those thrown into the garbage or a landfill. Uh, you want to do more than that. Tell us your story. Uh, well, I guess there's always been a, the Bible's kind of been a complicated book for for me and uh, it's uh, at one, on one side it's just a book and the other side it's God's holy word. And so how do we, um, we're thankful that we have the paper, so it's like reverence for the book, treat it with respect, but we don't worship it, which is um, like, because it's just a book, right? But then we were talking about it as a child. I remember my grandma saying that when the book, like when the Bible is not able to be read or used anymore, it's more proper to bury it than to burn it and throw it in the garbage. So um, going from that, I guess I just, when we were cleaning up at people's place or whatever, and there's old Bibles, I would always take them home and didn't really know what to do with them. But um, yeah, so started collecting them. And uh, one of the interesting things is we're planning a service in Easter or after Easter in Saskatoon for a, for a, um, we haven't come up with a word yet, but commemorating, uh, service where we'll bury the, um, beyond repair type Bibles, right? So if you get Bibles sent to you and they are repairable, you'll do that. You'll fix them up and stuff first. I don't, I don't have the skill of repairing, but I know others that do. But typically, um, yeah, it's kind of tricky. But yeah, the the repairable ones are are repaired. The good ones are passed on to others. Like um, there's missions that um, disperse uh, or distribute the Bibles. So there's kind of three categories: the the ones that I pass on to others, and then the second one where it's repairable. And then the third one is Beyond Repair. What's so, been the most interesting Bible you've uh, come across so far? Like the oldest or unique or whatever sticks out to you? Um, yeah, there's the... Recently I got one from a thrift store. Grandmother had given the grandson a Bible for graduation. And, um, yeah, it wasn't... It didn't look used at all. And... Um, so that's kind of on the mixed emotions, sad end. Mm, yeah. And the other one is like a grandma's Bible. Um, her name was embossed in the front of it. So um, I guess that was common years ago that as a baptismal gift, and a, a Bible would be given to you with a with your name embossed on it. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I just kind of researched her life a little bit, and she had a couple of sons and um, lived a long and full life. And I imagine that the Bible was her inspiration, right, for, um, like, it 
well cared for, but it was um, it was done, right? I collect Bibles, and uh, it's really interesting. You come across old ones, and just the ones that are well used and highlighted and notes, it's really interesting to go through those and, and read what stuck out to people maybe 40, 50, even more years ago, right? And they've written notes in the margins and things like that. Yeah, it really speaks to the timelessness of the Bible, right? Mm. That um, every generation, it becomes new for every generation. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's the, I don't know, um, exactly what else is going to happen with this. I guess when I started, I just, the first step is collecting them, right? And then take it from there. So where are you storing all these Bibles? Do you have a shed set aside, or, or what's the plan once well, you do collect them? I've got a, a closet in, uh, like, a shelving unit, and one section of that is for the Bibles. And, like, in German, the Gesangbuch, or Gesangbuch, whatever, is uh, also another category of church book that I collect. Okay. And, um, yeah, so it's just a it's a, um, a special place for them to, I don't know, I think of them just resting there, right? Not, um, they're not really, like, they're not being, their owners are not using them anymore, so they're, I don't know, resting. They're resting. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> What's the response been like so far, Tim? Uh, really interesting because, like, I I started out saying the reverence, not worship thing, because people have this thing, oh, the book is just a book. You know, that's, that is an initial response that people have, or some people have. And then uh, a little bit further down in the conversation, then they talk about having a shelf of Bibles that they don't really know what to do with. So there is a reluctance to throw them out. And um, they're very happy that somebody is doing something that um, commemorates the worth of the book, right? How many so, Bibles have you collected so far and Gesang books? Well, it's, yeah, my shelf is only about half full. Or my unit is only about half full, so it's about the equivalent of, you know, those printing paper boxes, about 12 of those full. Oh, that's a lot. So it's not, um, one, one person said, oh, you'll be snowed under, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not encouraging people from Winnipeg to send them to Saskatoon. <laughs> But people in Winnipeg could maybe start collecting them themselves and having a service, and and like I'd love to work with them, but so, um, we don't need to transport it from here to there or whatever. So, do you have any idea what the service will look like yet? Uh, to- can you describe some of it to us? Well, I'm uh, I'm not a pastor, so designing services isn't my strong point. But, um, yeah, we talked about having a time of sharing what the Bible's meant for people, um, what the value of reading out loud or maybe memorizing, memorizing it or different significant things that the book itself has done um, for them. And then also, like, I'm more woodworker, 
bigger in the earth kind of thing. So we talked about where to bury the box and um, making a box for them. So um, that's kind of what I was, that's my part of the service. So you have a pastor involved in the service kind of thing yeah, then? Yeah, it's the uh, chaplain of a nursing home. Nice. Yeah, so, and they, like, as we get older and we get less materialistic, I don't know, people talk about um, paring down or downsizing, all that stuff, so typically Bibles are some of the things that people keep the longest, so most people, or a lot of people have some Bibles, either their parents or theirs, they don't really know what to do with them. You had uh, had discovered an old German Bible, is that right? Could you tell us about that particular Bible? Well, the, the older generation still has, yeah, they are more comfortable reading in German. So I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but it's usually the story of the person that owned it that I find interesting. Yeah, sometimes there's little... I know, like you said before, the little notes or writings in the front. The, the heartwarming parts are where it's a baptismal gift from the church, and then um, it's been used and worn, and uh, the person, I'm assuming the person found some meaning in that. So that, I think, is kind of the most rewarding part of it, or the interesting part of the story for that book. Has there been any other, um, you mentioned the one Bible that wasn't used that kind of stuck out to you and was kind of a sad thing. Any other stories like that that stick out to you, whether good or funny or sad? <laughs> oh, there was one that, uh, there's a downsizing that was happening and there's some old books and I said, well, if you're getting rid of those or you don't know what to do with them, I'll take them. And it almost seemed that the interest in the box of books grew as I, after I said that I was interested in taking them. <laughs> so, um, I think that most of those books are being passed on. Most of, like, there's a, a number of different books, but Bible and Gazankyuk were in there. Um, they're being passed on to family, which I think is, like, the win, a win situation, right? You used to have those really big family Bibles, right? And they were passed on generation to generation, and they had all sorts of family tree info in them and stuff. You don't really see that anymore, I guess. No, and I, like I do, if there's anything that's got any archival or genealogy information in it, I do work with the local, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, it's the Saskatchewan Historical Society. Uh, archivist yeah there's a guy there that is knowledgeable on that so if there's any like historical value to it or archival value i um pass it on to them so yeah those um those big bibles i haven't got any of those i think that they are still because if there's a family tree in there then the family likes to keep it right so my focus is really on the ones that aren't appreciated or don't have a home right so i'm not getting what you what you as a collector might think of interesting ones right, right yeah what is it about the kasang book that really uh, interests you the churches that use that um 
which there's many different Gesangsbuch. Um, and all that that means is songbook in German, right? So it's not like those. If you could, I don't know if I have an overactive imagination, but just bear <laughs> with me. If you could be that paper, uh, you've heard a lot of singing. Yeah, and uh, that's just—it's just heartwarming to me to see that or to imagine that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. The stories connected to the people that have held that book and sung from its pages, right? And I'm not a musical person, so I think that that's even more amazing to me (laughs) that that, uh, those pages have heard a lot. Maybe that's why, because people like me and you that can't sing, (laughs) so things like that (laughs) pique our interest. So we can't sing, but we can hold a book. That's right. That others have held, right? Yeah, and that was always so, my hold the book steady for my dad, who could sing beautifully. So, <laughs> and there's some of that. Uh, some of that is also the. I don't mean for any of this to be divisive, but maybe thought provoking. When we don't carry a Bible to church, or because it's on the projector, when we don't carry a songbook to church anymore, that's our songbook. If we change songbooks every three years to stay up with the fashion is there something that we're losing if the songbook was good for other generations why is it not good enough for us you know some of those kind of things that's interesting yeah Yeah, once once the projector burns out nobody's going to be thinking like oh it's such a special projector what can we do (laughs) yeah and i just thought of that um we've become so digitalized and it's so handy but what like if I have a book of all the family birthdays in it, or if I have that on Google Calendar, which will my great grandchildren appreciate more? Huh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just a different way of looking at it. It's not, like I'm not going to delete all my apps on my phone. But there is some value to having like a physical song book, having a, that's really fun. I was actually just thinking of this last week because I was highlighting a passage in my Bible app during my devotional time. And I actually thought, like my two-year-old and my six-month-old, 50 years from now when I pass away, they're not going to know what verses matter to me because they're not going to peek in my Bible app, right? And I was just thinking of I should be using my paper Bible more often. And we are all kind of, not all, but many of us are lulled into this digital age without really thinking of what does it mean for a few generations down. So that's getting back to books. That's why I think books are becoming, like this is a very generation, like very unique time in history where we have old books that are worn by people, right? Like that next generation won't have what we have now. For other people that are listening, that that this may spark their interest in doing what you said earlier, uh, starting up something like this, what would you say to them, and, and how would how would they go about doing that? Well, I think the first step is just give me a call and a chat. I don't know. Not a, there's no big really how-to on it. One last question. Can you describe Duck Lake to us, where you live? We've never <laughs> been there. Lake. We don't know where it is. <laughs> Give us an we idea of the community. <laughs> We overheard a couple of uh, women of a certain age in a restaurant in Saskatoon, and they said they'd gone to Duck Lake, and there had been no ducks, and it wasn't even a lake. <laughs> and they were quite disappointed that they had driven an hour to see this Duck Lake. <laughs> so, it's, um, yeah, it's a 
beautiful community. We love the people there. It's uh, um, close to um, Beardies and Okamasis First Nation. Um, there's uh, Battle of Batosh was close by there. Oh, yeah. The um, Métis Rebellion, or whatever it's yeah. what white people call it, um, started on by an accidental shot fired on um, or near Duck Lake. That's right. Suddenly my grade five Canadian history's coming back. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. I love going for coffee with the local, um, with the friends, the community friends there. And, uh, um, it's just wonderful, warm community. Well, thank you so much, sir, sir, for, uh, sharing about this project with us today. Yeah. Thank you for your interest. Uh, um, I'm hoping that, uh, like uh, your, the name of your show is so nice, Connection. Yeah. I'm hoping that this conversa- conversation can help listeners feel connected to Bible and uh, through that to God. Such an interesting conversation. Big thanks to Tim for joining us today. Don't forget, you can listen to the conversation again at your radio station's website. You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play Podcasts just by searching for Connections.